Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here uh, with another more than one lesson mini-sode. Uh, this is mini-sode number 50, which is very exciting. I want to lead with uh, an apology. There has there have been some, uh, some issues with our RSS feed. Uh, we've had people comment that they've not been able to get the most recent episode, which is the live episode from Biola, uh, that they've not been able to get that on iTunes, and that is because... The feed itself is broken. We are in the process of migrating it to a new host. By the time you're hearing this, and if and indeed if you're hearing it as a function of iTunes, then that means everything is up and running. Uh, but it's something that I'll need to keep an eye on. And I would encourage you, if you are having connection problems, comment on the website or email me, and I will forward it on to the people that are uh, hosting us now. So... Thank you very much for your patience. I will now welcome in my co-host, Josh Long. Josh. Hi. How you doing? Doing good. What did you think of last week? It was fun, right? It was a lot of fun, yeah. You enjoyed yourself? I did. We got to talk to some people, got some to students. Talk to some students afterwards. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, uh, I, I didn't get his name, but uh, there was a guy who came up afterwards and it was just, he just seemed, you know, super sheepish and it was kind of, you know. Well, don't embarrass him. He might be listening now. No, I was just, yeah, here's the thing. I'm not going to, I'm not saying like, oh, it was cute. I'm not going to say that. It was kind of strange and humbling that somebody could come up and not even seem intimidated, but just seem to have uh, such an appreciation for what we did that mm. he is almost sheepish about approaching us. Mm. And it's, and you just, anytime, cause that's, it has happened once or twice before um, as a function of BP. And it's just fascinating because I want to be like, Man, it's I appreciate that you see me this way, but boy, oh boy, if only you knew just how ridiculous I am. Uh, I mean, Josh and I just spent the last several minutes talking about a film <laughs> called Saturn Three and how badly it's a it's apparently a horrible sci fi film from nineteen eighty uh, that we that we by the way at this point we just took it for granted that at some point we're going to watch. We it. have to watch it now. You only have, we only have so many hours in a day and yet we have both decided separately and together that there's going to be one day in the probably not too distant future in which we're going to devote a solid hour and 40 minutes to Saturn three. Yeah. A film that we know to be bad. (laughs) You should, uh, if you have your computer there in front of you, I'm not going to tell you who's involved in this film. Just, uh, give that a look up. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, enjoy yourself. I'm very excited for it. But you know what? I th- I feel like there are movies that are bad. They're fun to watch uh, because they're ambitious. And this film seems to have some ambition. Yeah. But also, it's it also looks tremendously boring. Yeah. And boring, there's only so much I can do with. Right. I, I'm, I wonder if it's going to be just too much of that, if it's just too yeah. slow. And uh, yeah. we'll get halfway into it and be like, I can't watch this anymore. I mean, you've watched The Room several times. I've, I watched it the once. That's a film where the emotions are so big you, that, you, of course, you're going to laugh <laughs> the, the room's whole time. got stuff going every minute. The, the Room is like, it's constantly throwing you a curve curveball. You're like, okay, I think I know what this movie's about. Yeah. And then uh, her mom has cancer for some reason. 
And then you're like, well, that's that's going to come back, right? No, that's not coming back. And I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like that's the first time she said that. And was probably saying it just as a way of saying, so listen to me. It felt like a manipulation kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, But what I just said now about how it might have come across, that's more thought than they put into the entire film. Oh, no. So that's fun to watch because everything about it is big. And aside mm-hmm. from the scale of Saturn 3, it looks like there's nothing big going on there. It just it looks very Might not be. self-serious and just a slog. No, thank you. Might end up being the bloodwaters of Dr. Z all over again. Man, that was rough going. <laughs> and then what was that other one? Uh, no, is it Star Chaser? No, not Star Chasers. The one about the 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 pilots. Oh that yes, was such I think it was a just wa- called Starfighter, wasn't it? Maybe I don't remember, but it was <laughs> such a waste of time. Yeah, it was like stock footage of airplanes refueling for about yeah. an hour and a half, and then and then people realized, oh well, we can't just have that. Let's <laughs> let's stick the most uninteresting, unconvincing actors in the world, <laughs> uncharismatic, and we watched that with. More than uh, more than a lesson with MST3K commentary, and even that couldn't save yeah, it. Even they were too bored. Yeah, it's astounding. But um, but yeah. So uh, so we are uh, Halloween times is over now. Done. Uh, and so that it's means it's to time me. to get back into our best of pictures. This week we're going to talk about Robert Zemeckis's Forrest Gump, a film that. I believe, I don't quite recall, I think it was number one at the box office that year. I mean, if uh, not, it was certainly in the top ten, maybe even the top five, but I, for some reason, I seem to call that it made crazy money, and it, I think it was number one. Me. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, and that runs so counter to what our expectation, probably even at the time, was, which is, it should be, it's going to be a big blockbuster some kind of, I believe, you know, the next year, if I had to guess, it was probably like Independence Day or mm-hmm. something like that. And so for Forrest Gump, this, I mean, it's not small. It spans, you know, the the life of a person, but it's just about one guy. And while there are special effects, it's not like a special ex- effects extravaganza or anything like that. It's a very strange, it's a very strange movie that was beloved by a lot of people at the time, including critics. And as time has gone on, people have distanced themselves from that movie so much, almost to the ex- to almost to the ex- uh, same extent as like American Beauty. You talk to a lot of people yeah. our age about Forrest Gump, and they will have so many negative things to say about it. Um, and I've seen it a few times in my life, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen it in a while. Um, but I just. The last time it's a it's a perfectly I find it to be a perfectly pleasant movie that is occasionally quite powerful, mm-hmm. and I just don't understand the the hatred that some people have for. It. Aside from it's not Pulp Fiction, that's its big crime. Yeah, uh, but aside yeah. from that, I just but, don't understand. Right, and if if your argument is that it beat out Pulp Fiction for Best Picture, like no one ever thought Pulp Fiction was going to win of Best Picture, not. like that was never going to happen. Yeah. It got its um, token screenplay Oscar, and there you go. Right. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that about it. I, I I don't know. It's, I wonder if part of the reaction against it is that like, if you made that movie today, people would make so much fun of it for being uh, schmaltzy or, or, uh, overly sentimental or something yeah. like that. And 
I wonder if there's been just in 20, it's 20 years now, right? Yeah. Um, I wonder if there's been enough of a shift uh, in the way we make movies that we, that's something that's that kind of upbeat and inspirational doesn't have as much of a place anymore. Like what's something, what's something that's been in the Oscar running in the last few years that's been comparable, maybe like the blind side that wasn't nominated for picture. Was it was, it, it was so maybe, yeah. Maybe that, but even then, I mean, this was this was a movie that made a lot. I mean, a lot of money. Blindside made yeah. a lot of money too, but this made. A, I think it made more. This was I, a, I, I would say Forrest Gump probably made more. Let's put it this way: Forrest Gump was a phenomenon. Yeah, it's like a cultural touchstone. Practically, yeah. everybody knows what it is. Yeah. Like everybody knows those you those to, lines. As somebody who's married to a person named Jenny, mm. occasionally you will hear someone go Jenny. Yeah, if you say those two syllables everyone knows what you mean yeah it's i mean it's interesting you know life is like a box of chocolates i was running Mm -hmm. uh there's any number of things that everybody knows what you mean yeah now blindside though it made a lot of money and it was up for best picture and it's and it's not a film you and i liked but it's it's a film that got a lot of uh you know my mom loved it it's it's that kind of movie uh it's nowhere near Forrest Gump and just I don't know what it is and I'm trying to think in terms of uh, cultural context you know because I'd say we we do live in more cynical times now than we did then Um, but at the same time I mean look at so here's the the other best picture nominees and we'll we'll go into more detail about them in a moment Four Weddings and a Funeral, Pulp Fiction Quiz Show and Shawshank Redemption Quiz Show is a fairly cynical film. Pulp yeah. Fiction certainly is. Mm-hmm. Shawshank Redemption is kind of inspiring, but also pretty unblinking. Right. I mean, you know, we have scenes of prison rape. Right. Uh, and then Four Weddings and a Funeral is a... I really like that movie. I haven't seen that one. I That's think, the only I, one of the nominees I haven't seen. I think you'd probably like it. It's a... But what it it actually winds up being kind of somewhat countercultural in that it's these two people who... You know, it's kind of on again, off again, and then at the end, they basically decide that they're not going to get married, and they're but they're still going to be together, and that sort of thing. And so, hmm. even that sort of runs against what what culture says. And so, whereas Forrest Gump is an affirmation of America, it's an affirmation of a certain type of value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wonder if, well, I don't wonder, I cert, I know that there are a lot of people that that is why they are frustrated by it, especially when you take the character of Forrest and the character of Jenny, that if you look at their lives, between the two of them, you have America and the choices that were made, Jenny mm-hmm. always doing sort of the countercultural thing, the alternative thing, and being, I know p- some people are saying being punished for it. Hmm. Um, because she winds up getting AIDS and, and dying. Um, whereas Forrest is just, you know, finds his way into one wonderful situation after another just by valuing God and his mother and all that sort of thing. And so there are people who actually look at that and say that it is a very – can't quite think – can't quite think of it, but like, what's the, what's the opposite of counterculture? Like establishment that it's just yeah. like an, yeah, it's, it's one that says, Hey, if you almost like it's values come from the 1950s where it's, if you stay by the, if you stick to the straight and narrow, you're going to, you could meet several presidents. <laughs> whereas a, if you do the, de, if you smoke the demon, <laughs> the demon weed, <laughs> yeah, the demon weed, uh, then you will die of AIDS. Like it could, 
one could look at it like that. Do you, have you heard people who criticize, criticize it that come from that perspective? Does that seem to be one of the criticisms? Yes. Okay. That is a, a thing that I hear from time to time. Mm. Um, and, but that is just a film that's, that's almost moralistic uh, in, mm-hmm. in the char- the arc of the two, the arcs of the two main characters. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And I see, I definitely see their point, but, I still like the movie. I still think the movie's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and I think maybe it's because I think the main character is written so sincerely, and even though he is often uh, he is often a representation of something, he is all he is always very much himself, and I think a lot of that comes down to Tom Hanks' performance. Yeah, I was gonna say like when we were talking about it being so successful i feel like if you're gonna name one factor in that movie that made it so successful it's got to be tom hanks i mean he's uh he's got that magnetism to him that charisma he 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 knows how to make a character likable and relatable especially and it's weird to find that character is so relatable since he is so different than most of us because of his his disability so um, I think there's, there's definitely something to be said for that, um, the power in that. And, and maybe that's part of it. And I think, I, I feel like early nineties is kind of when they used to do this too. I, I think people enjoyed movies around that time that would uh, show somebody experiencing this turbulent history of America, you know, mm-hmm. like the sixties and the seventies and whatever. Um, I remember specifically feeling like that was shoehorned into Mr. Holland's opus. I feel like we talked about that on the show at some point, maybe. Yeah, it was a companion film. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, this kind of idea that like, oh, here's what was happening when this part of history was happening. And and I think Forrest Gump does it a little more fluidly than, than Mr. Holland's opus did. Um, uh, which which is weird because he does he doesn't belong in these places. Yeah. Um, but there's kind of a humor to it. And I think, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like we're meant to watch that movie and feel kind of a disconnect in, from reality in his life? Like he, he seems almost like a, uh, a folk hero type, like a Paul Bunyan type thing. I can definitely see that. I think that is a good way of phrasing it. Uh, and let, and if you want to look at it, if you want to look at it, um, in a positive way, and I know people have said this about Crash and a few other types of movies. Uh, there's a uh, and say that those movies are almost like fables, and you can't, you don't expect fables to have like a, a great deal of nuance. Mm. Well, you don't expect John Henry or Paul Bunyan to have a great deal of nuance, yeah. either. And so, if you look at you, you merely look at them and see what they represent, but you also look at the specificity of them and just see what you can often you they reflect something back at you mm-hmm. um so i think that's the positive way of looking at it i think i know the negative way of looking at it and this is something you and i've talked about before there are people that look at i remember the big the campaign at the time was uh, the world will never see will never be the same when you see it through the eyes of forrest gump that was the big thing that they mm-hmm. said in the advertising um and, you know, in a way, I find myself – I will take that phrase and I'll adapt it. The world will never, see, will never be the same 
once you see it through the eyes of a Navi from Avatar. Like, in a way, there's just people look at, I feel like people look at the character of Forrest Gump. I know I, I've thought this about him. I know other people have. They say, oh, he's so, I hate to use the term, he's so simple. Mm-hmm. There's a simplicity to him as opposed to my workaday life. And I'm just, I'm so busy, so stressed all the time. Whereas he's willing to just, you know, he's he's had some grief in his life, but he'll still keep going and be optimistic and just, because he just doesn't know any better. Wow, I wish I could live like that. Hmm. In the same way that people, you know, what is the phrase like that idea of like the noble the savage? noble savage. Yeah, I was going to say like it, it. It's what you're talking about sounds like kind of that same idea yeah. of. And and I, actually, I was thinking about this recently, and I shouldn't bring this in too much to it because it's getting a little bit off topic. But I was mentioning to you that I saw Dear White People yesterday, mm-hmm. and one of the key uh, one of the key plot points in that movie is uh, a like like a fraternity on campus has a quote unquote black people party where that's like the theme. Hmm. And it was weird because watching the movie, I was thinking like, is this something that's, it, it seemed ridiculous that that could actually happen. But the movie yeah. I think makes a wise choice by in the end credits showing news articles from several colleges where things like that actually did happen. Wow. I know. Can you even believe that? Um, so then I, that got me thinking about that a lot. And I was like, I, I, I feel like, part of the reason that happens is this idea, this noble savage idea and, yeah. and saying noble savage specifically kind of, uh, is, is related to the way that a lot of people looked at native Americans or, yeah. or people in, in third world countries that are, you know, uh, pre-civilization sort of groups. And sometimes the way like, wealthier people view the poor at, like this idea of slumming it a little bit. Right. That's what I was going to say is like that, that's kind of the traditional ex- uh, explanation of it or, or meaning of that, of that turn of phrase. But I think I, I feel like I see a trend where that's come to be anything that's kind of other to us. Yeah. We tend to turn it into like a, uh, 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 some kind of quaint, yeah, we definitely romanticize it. Yeah. I'm, I'm reminded of uh, of an exchange in the film Barton Fink, where Barton is uh, this this player, a successful playwright from New York. He's only ever been from New York, and then he moves to Los Angeles. But he and he happens to befriend uh, a guy who's a, a salesman, mm-hmm. um, played by John Goodman, is kind of just this nice, good old boy. Um, and then there's a part where. John Goodman is is telling him a story about like, oh, I was on this claim today or whatever. I was talking to this client today. And Barton just interrupts him and say, you know, Charlie, in a way I envy you. <laughs> and he just says, the day-to-day, you know the drill. And then something like, he goes, me, I got to plumb the depths. He's like, the life of the mind. There's no roadmap for that territory. And it's, and I'll it's show it's you like, the life of the mind. Uh, yeah. Well, and then <laughs> things don't go well for anybody at, at the end of that. Um and, and I will mention briefly this idea that uh, my friend David, uh, my co-host David has said, Barton Fink being his, his favorite film, that, you know, there's this idea of like, oh, we, I think we, we get your plight. Mm-hmm. And then you disca- discover, whoa, <laughs> the quote unquote working man or the normal guy is way more complex than I ever thought. I'm mm-hmm. way off. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and. But I do feel like maybe that is how we approach the character of Forrest Gump. And I'm not sure if maybe that's how the filmmakers want us to. I yeah. don't know. Um, which is we look at him and say, like, 
wow, look at him. Look at his attitude. Boy, I wish I had that. And so, but then someone could say, well, you know, he has that because he is, you know, uh, mentally disabled. He has right. like a 75 IQ. Do you want that? Yeah. And they're like, well, no, I mean, of course not. I'd rather have what I have and then uh, acknowledge that and, yeah. and, and just admire that from afar. And I feel like it's, I don't know. And maybe the film is trying to hold, kind of hold our feet to the fire about that attitude. I don't know. Cause Robert Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis is not a simple filmmaker. No. You know, um, I don't necessarily love everything he does, but I mean, he made who framed Roger rabbit, which I think is amazing. He made Castaway, which I really love. Mm-mm. Um, so I don't know. It's, and the fact that, and maybe this is just for you and I, it's an, uh, we're not willing to just dismiss the film as, oh, it's romanticizing a certain type of value and a certain type of person. It's demonizing the other type. We're moving on. Um, and maybe some people are willing to do that and they probably have an argument to do so. But I personally think that there's more to the film. There's enough in there that, I don't know, that, that causes you to, that it gives me pause before I dismiss it outright. Mm-hmm. You know, the character of Lieutenant Dan played, I think, wonderfully by Gary Sinise. You know, he's kind of somewhere in between Forrest and Jenny. You know, he has a very clear idea of what he's supposed to do. He has a real sense of duty and honor and and pride just as Forrest does. But mm-hmm. he also has a certain degree of cynicism and an understanding of how the world works the way Jenny does. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he, he gets he's often quite angry. Yeah. Um, and at one point is angry that he, that he's alive mm-hmm. when he was meant to die in, in battle and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. um, so I think you look at a character like that and you see, and even a character like Forrest's mom, who mm-hmm. is more complex and is willing to m- make some moral compromises for the good of her son. Who I think plays his mom as a Sally, Sally Field? Field. Yeah. And I feel like characters like that really help to provide the shades of gray Mm because it's not just jenny and forest it's the other characters as well yeah and i think uh i i think you could you could see the the reason i think that argument that uh the you know going the the straight good american way is that the movie is showing going the straight good american way is the right thing and going the counterculture way is the wrong thing i i feel like you could easily I mean, the movie still loves her as a character, I think. Mm-hmm. I think she, it's showing her make some wrong decisions. But I think you could maybe just as easily make the argument that the film is showing that um, the world is cruel to people who go against the grain. Yeah. And uh, and I think it, I don't think the film would say that's that's the way it is or that's good. Or that's, sorry, wouldn't say that's the way it should be or that, or that that's good. And um, I think when you look at it, Forrest, over the course of the film, he loses his mom. He loses, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't remember. Bubba. Oh, yeah. His, basically his, his best good friend, as mm-hmm. he says. And he loses Jenny. I mean, his life is not without pain. Yeah. He does not live. At times, it seems like his life is charmed, but he goes through just as much grief as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Maybe even more. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't think it, and he, he's not happy about it. He's not just keep on keeping on. I mean, especially, you know, when Jenny dies and, and when his mom dies, it's just this feeling of like, I don't know 
I don't know where I'm going and I don't, I thought I had a, like basically anything that anchors him, whether it be in his childhood with his mother or in wartime with Bubba or adulthood and basically his whole life with Jenny, any anchor that he felt, any constant that he felt goes away and he winds up just sort of drifting. Um, and so his life is more complex. Uh, if it, if it was just that, the world is cruel to people like Jenny and his life is wonderful. That then that's a film that I probably wouldn't get behind, but I think it's more, I think there's more to it than that. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, the film won several Oscars. It won, uh, picture actor, director, adapted screenplay, editing and visual effects. So that's a pretty good haul there. Yeah. And, um, I think I, I think I'm probably okay with most of that. It was nominated for supporting actor for Gary Sinise, cinematography, art direction, sound, sound effects, editing, makeup, and original score. So, I mean, it, it was something of an Oscar powerhouse that year. It had a very big presence. Yeah. As I said, the other best picture nominees are four weddings and a funeral, Pulp Fiction, quiz show, Shawshank Redemption. Frankly, I think I like all of those movies more than Forrest Gump. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's, but you and I, we talk about like, we talk about what we think is the best movie, but then we also talk about, well, okay, what is a best picture as far as what is a best picture? Forrest Gump is a best picture. I don't, and I don't think, I don't think I have a problem with it winning best picture. No, I don't think I do. This is not the English patient and Fargo. Right, right. One of those. I don't think I have a a real problem with it. Although honestly, I think if, if you have this same lineup today, I think Shawshank Redemption probably wins. I think so too, except it didn't make a lot of money that year. Really? Yeah. Um, it has since become uh, right. uh, this amazing phenomenon. Yeah, like I can see people being upset that because I was looking at Pulp Fiction first, and I was like, "Well, Shawshank Redemption is, I, I'd say, might have as big a following as Pulp Fiction does. Might have as many people. That, I know a lot of people who say that's their favorite film of all time. Absolutely, and I believe it is consistently number one on the IMDb. It's it's always near the top, if yeah. not number one. Yes, um, there's almost always some kind of flash in the pan that shows up at number one and then it drops down to 18 for, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think an argument could be made that now Shawshank would give Forrest Gump a run for its money. Cause I think there are a lot of people who say like, well, Pulp Fiction, that should have won and maybe it should have, but the, but just, it's not, that really is not best picture material. No, not really. And I don't say that as, because we haven't done one of these in a while, I want to try to remind people, and we maybe have some new listeners. Uh, when I say that's not best picture material, I don't mean to act as though I'm sitting back with my arms folded and trying to judge a film and say, oh, well, mm, that's not good enough. What I mean is, as far as what the Oscars try to do, right? with a couple of exceptions here and there, it's always films with a certain kind of tone. Mm-hmm. And... Pulp Fiction doesn't really have that tone. I mean, yeah. frankly, it was it, it was very exciting that it was that it was up for as many Oscars as it was. Yeah, um, Pulp Fiction was much too edgy for even yeah. e- even today. I'll say if that movie came out today, it, it might might get nominated, but I don't think it would win. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if if Inglorious Bastards isn't winning, right? Because because Inglorious Bastards even is less edgy than yeah. Pulp Fiction was, and and kind of makes sense because Pulp Fiction's made by a younger man. I mean, Tarantino yeah. was how old at the time? He was early thirties. Yeah. Think. Maybe even late twenties. I don't quite recall. So, but, you know, um, that's a film made by an, an angry young man, maybe. Yeah. And so looking at a few other notable 1994 releases, um, 
I mean, there's some great movies in here. I'm a big fan of Ed Wood and The Madness of King George. I really like Bullets Over Broadway. Um, I haven't seen that one, but I need to. Yeah, it's. I think you would like it a lot. Yeah. Um, but as far as, I mean, when when we think of what a best picture is, I think they actually nominated the movies that are most likely to be that. Yeah, kind of. Um, I mean, maybe maybe The Madness of King George, which actually is a, is a really good little film that I think people should watch. Um, but aside from that, I think this is a, pr- a very solid top five. 1994, I think, is a very good movie year. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And, uh, and it was Hot also... Hudsucker Proxy year. in there, too. Yeah, Hudsucker Proxy. I mean... Uh, it's it's an interesting year in that you got movies like Pulp Fiction and Clerks, mm. two indie films that I think were championed by Miramax, um, that sort of would go on to change the face of certainly independent film and then eventually film itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in this year you get an interesting blend of more conventional films that are still good and then some countercultural films that people would look at and say, oh, that's what I want to be. Right. That would be influential to filmmakers to come. Yeah. So I think we will uh, leave it at that. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, Yeah, you can find articles and other episodes at morethanonelesson.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com or Josh, Josh, at morethanonelesson.com. You can uh, find me on Twitter at morelessons. You can find Josh... At the Josh Long. At the Josh Long. You can also like us on Facebook. So there's a lot of places you can go to get updates on what More Than One Lesson is doing. Uh, In the meantime, Josh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And we'll get you next time. Bye.